Okay. Um, oh, I have the definition of what a bad romance is. So hold on. I want to... And I got it from Urban Dictionary of all places. So I think okay. our, our listeners are going to really love that. I mean, well, I mean, everybody knows it's like part of a Lady Gaga song. But my whole thing was just like a romance that turns bad. But of course, obviously, everybody knows the famous song. So, yeah. So Urban Dictionary talks about it too. It goes... Bad romance, as defined by Urban Dictionary, number one, a song by Lady Gaga. Number two, when you're in a relationship that you know is bad for you but can't help it, it can be physically abusive or emotionally straining. Then there's a sketch. It goes, Jeff says, hey, did you see Rihanna's picture after the Chris Brown beating? And Matt goes, yeah, what a bad romance. Folks, if you want to know how I found this, go to UrbanDictionary.com and search bad romance. But I'll put a link in the podcast notes. Don't worry. And I'll also write down the definition in the notes itself, so you can take a look for, your, for yourself on that one. So, folks, we're doing a series in honor of February, and all the romances out there, be they good, good or bad. And actually, if you want some movie news, because we're supposed to give you news every once in a while, um, they're doing hashtag justice for Johnny Depp. As it turns out, some audio clips came out where Amber Heard was a psychopath, and it corroborates everything that Johnny Depp has been saying. Like, he has these... Um, Documents from like the emergency room where like she cut off the tip of his finger, she burned his face with a cigarette, she um almost cracked his head open with like pots and pans. But there's this audio where she's like agreeing with what Johnny Depp is saying and like insulting him as he describes what she did to him. And then she gets mad at him for calling like one of his bodyguards to the scene to break up the fight because he knows that she's about to get psychotic. But anyway, like the tape goes on and on. She's like, she's like, uh emasculating him or whatever, right? Like, taking away mm. his masculinity. And I'm like, okay, so this whole time, Johnny Depp hasn't been, like, this really intense, violent dude. He's been more like a, like, a beta or something. You know what, you, you know what I mean? Right. And, uh, and yeah, uh, men get abused, but the whole thing is, first they get stripped of their masculinity, then they're afraid to even say they're abused because their masculinity is gone. Right? Yeah. So, so I was like, what, this whole time? You know, this has been going on or whatever. But anyway, like, the Twitter thing was really pretty funny. That's been trending. And I know it was a Super Bowl, you know, whatever. I should have put money on it because the underdogs won, and they haven't won, like, maybe ever. Like, the Chiefs won over the 49ers, and everybody staked the 49ers. And I know we're not a big, we're not a football show, so we're not really going to go into the football thing. But the whole thing is, is, you know, it's kind of like um, misperceptions or something. It's like... What you're seeing is, mm. is you know, what you expect is not the truth or whatever, you know, in both circumstances, you know. They doubted this football team. They won. Um, Johnny Depp was called the beater and, like, you know, they took away his movie roles for, like, two years because they thought he was some washed-up alcoholic beating his wife. And then it turns out, it you know, Amber Heard was the one causing all the chaos. <laughs> you know, whatever. I mean, like, I guess he probably wasn't going to do anything about it, but she, you know, started, you know, making accusations and trying to drag him to court and... They have, like, a civil suit coming up or whatever. Oh, and also, if you want to talk about bad romances, um, well, we all know Harvey Weinstein is going to get convicted because of all the stuff sure. that he did. But did you see the story that came out that he has no genitals? Did you see that? Wait, what? You didn't see this? No. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, it's like, this one accuser says that he has no testicles, and it looks like he previously had a vagina, and that he might be intersex. And I'm like, okay, well, she could just be insulting him from the, you know, courtroom. So it's on, like, some official record, you know what I mean? Payback's a bitch, you know? Right. But um, that'd be pretty crazy if that's how the Weinstein story ended up. First, you're going conv- to get convicted for sexual crimes, and then not only are you, like, a predatory monster, 
you actually... Every monster has a really good origin story, right? Right. Like, what if it turns out, like, he was conflicted with his own, like, identity? <laughs> you, you know what I mean? <laughs> like, what if that was really true? It's probably not, but, I mean, you could, like, you could go on a, on all these tangents or, like, your, your mind could drift into all these fantasies about that uh, particular thing. But getting back to the concept of bad romances, I'm sorry I'm bouncing around, but that was all the details that I wanted to spill. Um, so we're going to start the show now, and stick with us after the music and the great intro, and then we'll be talking a movie called Love Hurts, which is in the 90s with Jeff Daniels, and you might know him from Dumb and Dumber. Uh, his other thing went like, arachnophobia. I mean, but I think most people know him from Dumb and Dumber. I mean, what else would they know him from? Um, um yeah, that's, I mean, he did a TV show a few years ago, the... The oh, newsroom, newsroom, but yeah, that's about probably, it. You're right. He probably might be actually known now more for the newsroom than, uh, you know, than like the Dumb and Dumber stints or whatever. Okay, so here we go. Crack open a cold box of wine or pour something cold on ice because it's the Binge Watchers Podcast. Love Hurts, I was looking up um, the writer-director, because it's like, Bud Yorkin, Bud Yorkin. I'm like, why do I know this name? He's the guy that produced An Evening with Fred Astaire, which was like a major television event, right, back in the hmm. day. He's been on, like, every show that's ever won an Emmy. Like, he, he produced Sanford and Sons. He produced All in the Family. Um, I looked at, he's also credited as producing Blade Runner, and also credited with the sequel. That might be a name only, I don't know, because that came out after he died, but... Hmm. Um, he's done a lot of things, and he actually directed Arthur 2, I, and I actually didn't even realize they made an Arthur 2, like the original ones, you know? Yeah. Um, so yeah, so Bud Yorkin's been around, man, you know, he has like a, a Hollywood legacy, he's like in the, like part of like Hollywood history, he's done a lot of good work, um, but nepotism rules, like his wife plays the, his wife in real life plays the ex-wife in this movie with Jeff Daniels. Um, oh, really? Yeah. But, uh, so how do you know this is a bad romance? Actually, the movie kind of tells you right in the very beginning, like, within the first five minutes, you hear, like, the saddest music ever. You go to a really depressing bachelor pad with Jeff Daniels' character. They do an amazing insert shot of the fridge, and this is, this is, like, Production 9 101. It's like, like, we're gonna set the tone by the way it looks and the way it sounds. Here we go. He opens his fridge, and he's got, like, a six-pack of Coca-Cola. He's got used Chinese, you know, he's got, like, old Chinese food. He's got, like, some mysterious food materials in like tin foil he's got an old pizza box and you're like okay it's the bachelor diet right he has no one to cook for him and he's not cooking for anybody that that needs a meal cooked he's got no home cooking whatsoever he's got a tiny little apartment and then he flashbacks to his wife and kids at like what like a christmas or something something like that yeah yeah so so we've established like a lot here in the beginning that you're gonna watch a sad movie a bad romance is involved and Jeff Daniels' character is probably in his weakest moment. Usually in the hero's journey, if you follow the Joseph Campbell model, like Disney follows, mm-hmm. it would be later on. He would go on the quest, then he'd face his darkness. He'd do, like, like, he wouldn't, like, this movie kind of starts, like, where, like, other movies, Act 2 would begin, right? 
Right. Like, after the problem's introduced, but this, no, this guy, like, this movie kind of starts in the middle, and then, um, there's, like, a wedding coming up, and it's, to me, to be honest, I was kind of confused in the beginning about how, um, Jeff Daniels' character related to the wedding. I was like, wait a minute, is, like, the ex-wife getting remarried? What's going on? And then, like, they're throwing the mom and the kids and the ex-wife, and then, then at some point you realize they're talking about a sister getting married. Yeah. So he's gonna go back to, like, his hometown, and then... Um, I guess Pennsylvania is technically the Midwest or whatever. Um, he leaves the city. I don't know if he's in New Jersey or New York, but he's like in a big city. I think he's in New York because they keep saying, I mean, they keep referring to it. You know, actually, now that I think about it, I don't know if they say, oh, they do say New York at some point because the daughter, um, wants to get a ticket to go home to New York. Yeah. Like the daughter is having a really hard time with the divorce. Like she's obviously more connected to the dad than the son is. What's funny yeah. about the son, though, is, like, he's, like, a junior version of the dad. It's really, they do a really great job of, like, the grandfather to Jeff Daniels to Jeff Daniels to the son. They have similar flaws and character traits. Right. So they, they've, like, really matched up the cast so well. Like, there was another movie where, I think it was Dan Aykroyd and Kirk Douglas and Kirk Douglas's real grandson. That didn't, oh, that um, didn't really work. In a, yeah, it was a Jewel Thief movie. And you kind of bought that they were related, maybe, but the chemistry wasn't exactly right. But in this movie, you believe that John Mahoney could be Jeff Daniels' dad, and you believe that Jeff Daniels could be this teenager's dad. Yeah, totally. So the the, the, the background work, I don't know how much, like... I mean, if you think about Bud Yorkin being, like, an old-school guy, he probably did rehearsals. He probably did... Yeah, I mean, he probably did A to Z, because, like I said, he produced these other big shows, so I'm sure he's coming in here and he's doing, like... Pretty much a theatrical run. Like, I even noticed, um... Well, there's another cast member. I don't want to bring her up too early, but she has a theater background. And so it all kind of lines up with, like, Bud Yorkin's, like, style of, like, filmmaking and producing. And to be honest, folks, I don't know him that well, but I know a lot of his work. And I want to say, like, um... He paints a really good picture with this movie. Um, how he lays everything out. And then, like, um... There's like a hint at the very beginning that the sister might be pregnant. She sticks a pickle inside of a jar of Cool Whip. Or or a container of Cool Whip. But if mm. you blink, it's one of those things, you blink and you miss it. And like, this movie has a lot of foreshadowing, but they're in very quick moments. So like, another example would be like, we don't necessarily know that the main character's family is working class, mm. but the mom is wearing a dress at the rehearsal dinner. And the daughter pulls, the daughter getting married, the sister, whose name is, I think, Karen or whatever, pulls the price tag off the dress, and Cloris, oh, yes. Cloris, yeah. or Cloris Leachman, who's playing the mom, mm-hmm. like, she shudders, like, you see her body language change, and then she gives, like, a fake smile, so, in that instant, you realize as an audience member that, oh, she had intended to return the dress after the wedding, or, you know, after the rehearsal dinner, or whatever, or after the yeah. dinner with the in-laws. Um, which is kind of like their rehearsal dinner. It's not formal because they don't have any money, but they, you know, they're shelling out for this wedding. And then, like, um, you know, they're making jokes about alcoholics being distracted people. Like, they get distracted every night and they can't be bothered. So you see, like, these in-laws come in from the husband's family who seem kind of on the level. And then, like, the dysfunction comes from, you know, the main character's family. And then you find out his dad's an alcoholic who has, like, a an auto repair shop and sells some used cars. Mm-hmm. And... He, like, and that's John Mahoney, and, like, in the very beginning scene, it's, like, all out on the table. You, you know what I mean? And I'm like, yeah. what, a, what a masterful scene. Like, John Mahoney is regulated to just being, like, Frazier's dad. But you see him in this movie, and, like, he, he's he got some acting chops. 
Oh, he's like, a he's a classically trained actor. I mean, yeah. Uh, or, um, in fact, you know, he's very um, he's not that kind of character. I I have to assume that this this must have been a movie that got him the role of uh, in Fraser because this so? he it feels kind of similar to his Fraser role. Oh, um, like a working class like trying to get by. <clears throat> yeah, may not have a problem with alcohol. Yeah, I get it. I get it. Because um, so he's I'm, actually because he's actually more like. Uh, Fraser's character in real life, my understanding. <laughs> He's like more upper crust or like opera and shit. Oh, yeah, that yeah. makes sense. Um, so then on the way into town, uh, I should have written down Jeff Daniels' character because I'm literally just calling him by. Um, Was it. God, uh, I wanted. Well, we can Paul. solve this. We have his, first name is, his first name is Paul. Okay, yeah. Okay, so Paul's driving into town, and he's in a rental car, but he's falling asleep, because I guess he drove through the night from, I, I guess Dave established it's New York City, so he drove from New York City through the night, and then later on you find out he was, like, popping all the stuff to stay awake and can't. Um, he drives into the other lane, and almost hits a, a pickup truck, where we meet, like, um, the other co-star of the movie, who's this, this is the lady I was talking about, Judith Ivy. She's mm-hmm. like a classically trained actor, has lots of theater in the background. Um, I didn't realize she was in Mystery Alaska. I've seen that movie. And here's huh. a weird weird connection to our podcast. If you go back a few seasons, Dave and I are talking about like late night cartoons, like essentially cartoons for grown-ups. After we did our run of like Saturday morning cartoons that we remember, we did late night cartoons. And uh, obscure cartoon from USA Network late night was that Dave and I both like was Duckman. She did a voice on Duckman, of all things. Huh. Yeah, I was like, wow, this is like, okay, three degrees of the Binge Watch podcast. So <laughs> so here we go. So Judith Ivy is playing, like, the bridesmaid, and her husband is kind of like a schlub, and the son doesn't like her very much either, and he's, like, getting ready, clearly going to a Little League game or something, so their truck crashes. And, like, well, it throws off the road, and like, it just gets overheated or something, but then, like, um, they're stuck there, and but then... What happens is, like, Paul apologizes for running them off the road, and then the husband's kind of a jerk to him or whatever, but then, like, you catch that the bridesmaid is clearly into him, like, already. Yeah. So, like, that's so, like those... have I seen you somewhere? Do I know you from yeah. somewhere? Yeah, so, so that's another blink if you if you miss it um, thing that happens in this movie. Like, And each character, almost every character has one, so it's like, there's a lot of story going on here. <laughs> you know what I mean? Right. For what could have been just like a romantic comedy or like a, a throwaway drama that you pick up at Blockbuster one night or something. There's there's quite a bit going on. Um, and and run down the cast. You got Jeff Daniels, Gloris Leachin playing his mom, John Mahoney playing the dad, and then I mentioned like Judith Ivy who has her own chops and has this great background in acting. And like I said, I've seen her later on and I wouldn't have known who what, what who she was by name, but I've seen her in stuff, you know? Um, so he gets there, his family's falling apart at the dinner table, you know, his dad had too many drinks, he, then he realizes his ex-wife and his kids are at the house, because they've moved in with his family. Yeah. Right? <laughs> so, well, they originally moved into a house that he owned, but it got yeah. flooded out, so yeah. they have to, uh, stay at the grand, or the, uh, the in-laws. I kind of or... got the feeling that, like, he's not supporting his family anymore, like, so, so the ex-wife didn't have the resources to repair the farmhouse, is the impression that I get? Like, she was... I, I think, yeah, her. well, because they had a fight about it later. Yeah, she was, like, basically, like, you sold me a shitty house, so you have to pay for it. You didn't disclose the pipes were bad or uh, whatever the situation was. Yeah. Hmm. Um, 
And obviously there's a big rift between the two. Um, yeah. Um, so there's no official bachelor party for the husband. So the dad takes out Paul and the husband, and the son goes along for whatever reason. I don't know why his son tags along, but he, like I said, he idolizes his father. And they're both kind of womanizers, right? They both have a knack for speaking, which makes yeah. sense because then you find out he's also a salesman. So he has the gift for gab. And then his son does too because he sparkles with these teenage girls that he meets up with when he and he's only been in town like two days, and so they're ser- I call them the serenade singers. Like the 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 grandfather is telling the story of how he wooed over the mom by showing up in the middle of the night, and it could have just been one of his drunken stupors. You know what I mean? In his in his mind, it's some romantic gesture, right? Right. But it could have been another miserable night for the family. Who knows? So he goes and sings to her in the middle of the night. So then he gets Paul the son and the who's going to be the brother-in-law to take a car out of his own lot sets off his own alarm that's going to bring the police and he's driving around in his own car they go and find where the the sister and her bridesmaids Bridal are all having their yeah. dinner or whatever their bachelorette party which is like eating at a restaurant or something that looks like the olive garden the, well the town's version of the olive garden it's probably like the only right. italian restaurant in this little town and um, and they do the song or whatever, and then, you know, the the main character wants to reconnect with his life before he went to the city. I guess like he wants to sleep in his own bed, but the ex wife and the kids are staying there, so he has no access to his stuff. But then he actually ends up in bed with the ex wife, and you think they're like gonna hook up, and you're like, wait a minute, like. So I was like, where is this going? Like they were setting up the fact that he was gonna hook up with the bridesmaid, and I was like, oh. Is he going to hook up with the wife, and then she's going to find out that he had something going with the bridesmaid, and it's going to fall apart and blow up in his face anyway, and he's not going to be able to break the pattern of his behavior? That's what the movie's about. It's like basically yeah. saying like he is stuck in a rut, but he kind of created it, dug a hole for himself, can't get out of it, and then uh, they don't end up having sex, but I'm sitting there going, wow, love and hate could literally be the same thing. Like The passion is the same, whether you hate somebody or love them. It's like the same amount of passion. It's like... They're almost virtually the same, at least in this movie, but maybe in life, too. I don't know. Um, but it seems like they get closure. I mean, I got the sense that they got closure. Instead of having sex with each other, there was, like, a sense of closure with the wife. The husband and wife? Or, yeah, I mean, um, Jeff Daniels and his ex-wife? Yeah, because his character, Paul, tells tells her, like, yes, I made these mistakes, and I, I wish you had intervened sooner, because he was telling he was basically telling her that she'd knock sense into him, but he was hoping that would happen sooner. But then he said, um, you're the only woman that I've loved. If that matters mm. to you at all, you're like, you're the only one I, that I actually cared about, or what have you. Right. Um, oh, wow. I just, I mean, I didn't really draw this connection, like, because he's not a drunk. He gets drunk with his dad, but he's not a drunk in the movie like the dad is. But I realized, like, but he's addicted to women. Yeah. So addiction is still different. there. It's, it's like a, a different, like, it's rearing its head a different way, but it's there. Wow. Damn. <laughs> well, Dr. Phil moment for the night, folks. Um, and then, uh, let's see. There's a really intense scene at the like at the wedding with the dad, like who can't pull it together to go inside, and it's like raining, and he has some kind of like heart to heart with his son in a way, almost. Mm-hmm. And then, like uh, the, I mean, Paul's character finally gets to. Spoiler alert. I mean, maybe I don't say the whole thing. I don't know. Maybe I don't tell them the ending. Like, we've told them most of the plot, but maybe I don't. Maybe I just stop and say, like, it's um, kind of an undiscovered gem. Like, you got heartbreak, romance, redemption, and it's got a great cast. 
Yeah. I'd never heard of this movie before you suggested it at all. Yeah, that's the thing. Uh, like, Dave and I were starting to research what the bad romance <clears> movies <throat> were going to be, and I was like, yeah, we could, like, watch our old favorites, but, like, what if we found some things that we had never come across? And this is one of them. I'm like, holy crap, like, how have I missed this movie? Like, <laughs> like well, where this, was this, you know? This feels like a movie that I would have watched on, like, a Sunday afternoon on Showtime or something. I mean, it's just... Um, the, I love watching movies from the the eighties or nineties that I just haven't seen. Yeah. Um, you know, just because, uh, I get to watch it through a, a different uh, lens than it being contemporary. Um, I don't know. Um, I, I also kind of thought that it's interesting that, I mean, most of the characters in the movie, um, with the exception of maybe the, you know, the children and the ex-wife, uh, everybody's kind of an asshole. I mean, if you really break it down, our protagonist, uh, Jeff Daniels, he's not a good guy when you really break it down. I mean, he he's charming because Jeff Daniels is playing him, but um, he's really kind of an asshole. I mean, for, well, in the very... You're you know, right. He, they walk the line. Like, they're dealing with, like, a really touchy subject and handled the wrong way. You would just hate the main character. Right. I mean, he's, he's charming. He's likable, so you kind of get away with it. But, I mean, um, what you were saying about how they project are, um, you know... Um, I wouldn't say the movie's per se subtle, but I mean this movie does feed you a lot of information pretty fast. Like, yeah. either either catch up or you know we're gonna pa- bypass you. I mean, in the first what five to ten minutes, you know, you already learn that he's a a womanizer because uh, he's sleeping with some woman whose guy comes home. Um, he walks in the house and you realize you know he's got the divorce papers, so you know where that's going. I mean, uh, it just you know keeps it moving along pretty fast you know uh, just keeps chugging along and you know catch up or don't um see but i kind of like movies with this like where you take the perspective of the character that you would think would be the antagonist or somebody that causes the problem in a movie Mm -hmm. because i i hate to say it but like they're all people too yeah i mean like i said that's why you know you kind of like him because jeff daniels makes him a likable character but i mean he's really an asshole i mean he's a person Mm -hmm. Who like yells at his kids and his wife or ex-wife? Um, you know he he's rarely in the right. Well, in, I mean, he in this bought movie. his daughter's attention. Yeah, right. At I first, mean, he was he, trying to cover up for how much money she stole from her brother and her mom, but then like he did admit that like, well, yeah, I gave her five dollars because I wanted to have a twenty-minute conversation with her while she was watching MTV music videos. You know, right? Um, you know the. Uh, the fa- the the gra- the grandfather boomer which made me laugh because how many times did they say boomer in this and of course everybody now that's okay. a term yeah okay boomers <laughs> yeah but uh, but you know I just want to say um, that we always have a link to watch the movie so uh, being influencers well influencers at least within the podcast space we got a thing going with Amazon right now so hopefully you're a fan of Prime I have said in the past that I don't like their player widget. But hey, this is a direct link to the movie we're talking about, so it's not so bad. You click it, yeah. you watch it. That's kind of how the deal works. Google doesn't even give you this right. <laughs> <laughs> Google told me I had to pay for it until I had to find it, that it was available for free on Prime. I almost paid for it. <laughs> well, I mean, you technically you are. If you have a Prime membership, it just covers all the movies you watch, you know, within well, a month, which is good for a binge watcher. Like, if you can't save money on movies... You'll blow your load as a binge watcher. You'll be watching too many movies, though. I mean, the, the struggle really for somebody who watches a lot of movies is which subscriptions to have at any given time. Because there's far I've got too, many. too many. Yeah. Dude, I've got way too many. <laughs>